Welcome to this episode of Shoulder to Shoulder. Uh, Megan and I are having lively discussions on um, Chase Living. So we today we're going to be discussing Chase Living as an individual. Right, Pam. Most of the time when we think about chastity, we tend to, you know, be thinking about couples, right? Getting yeah. involved in uh, sexual behavior, whether they should or shouldn't be involved in it. But uh, the reality is, is that our sexual behavior doesn't have to be limited necessarily uh, to just what we do with another person. Unfortunately, in this day and age, um, self-pleasuring and self-gratification and masturbation, whatever word you want to use for it, uh, is alive and well and so very much accepted by culture as just the norm. It's just something you do. In fact, I wanted to tell you a story, Pam, about this. Um, When I was in literally sixth grade. So 12. Okay. Yeah. I remember being in like public school, little sex, sex, sex ed class, basically. And there was this teacher and she invited people to just you know, write questions on little index cards and fold them up and put them in a, you know, bowl. And she would pick out questions and just answer them so that they would be anonymous. Right. And I remember her taking out a card and it said, the question was, is it okay to masturbate? I think they actually used that word, which I don't think gets used very much anymore, but I think it used to be more common when I was a child to use it to, you know, talk about this. And she read that card out loud and said, that is absolutely fine. Oh, my word. It is, you know, your body to discover and enjoy and everything. And I remember sitting there as a sixth grader thinking, that doesn't sound right. Mm -hmm. It just didn't, it didn't ring true to me. Right. You know, and it was nothing that my parents had ever talked about, like, Believe me. Believe me. <laughs> yeah, I don't even think I ever got like the real deal sex talk I, from my parents. I think I got it secondhand from my sister who may have got it secondhand from our next door neighbor. <laughs> so it wasn't like I grew up in this like, you know, home where my parents were really informing me about God's plan for human sexuality and giving me all the ins and outs of it all. I just heard that and it just seemed wrong, mm. you know, and so... Nowadays, when it's so common and just so just understood that, yeah, of course, you know, that's just normal part of being, you know, human. And to the point where it used to be that, you know, stereotypically it was more a guy thing, right? That's not the way it is now. No, it's not. It's, it's become so much a part of, you know, men, women, both engaging in it. And a large part of it is tied to the rise of pornography. Yeah. And so we wanted to talk about these two things as sort of our last topic in chaste living because, you know, we're called to be chaste even when we're alone. Right. Um, and there's just so much wrapped up into this topic. But and I really do feel like the pornography piece is probably the even more damaging thing. So insidious. So let's kind of talk about that. Um, obviously when we were young, like Pam and I are old enough that when we were kids, the internet wasn't like a thing. Right. Right. I mean, we didn't, there was no, 
we really didn't no. have it. We were like, they had the Commodore 64 computer that was barely anything, right? That was me. Oh, you're a little older than me. So yeah, they, that no, was what bit. they had in my time was Playboy and Playgirl. Right. No, the Commodore That's 64 was just have. a kind of computer, I was right. saying, that had like no capabilities whatsoever. But yeah, so it was all print media, right? Print. That's it was right. all print. And you had to go to a store and buy it. Mm -hmm. And it used to be that it was all like totally behind, you know, you know, you had to ask for it and it was covered up and there was, yeah, a certain age. And, you know, there's always stories about boys who found their dad's stash or whatever, their older brother's stash. And, you know, that there was that. But the accessibility was so much less. It went from you basically had to work to find it to you have to work to stay away from, from it, it now. That is so true. So would you say probably with the advent of the internet becoming so, so much more of a thing in the uh, mid to late 90s, I would say, yeah. and then it's just picked up steam since then. And, yeah, absolutely. With the inter- the rise of the internet and then really deeply with the rise of smartphones because now you don't even have to be at a computer terminal. You, right. It's right in your pocket. So insidious. You know? And so... This and it's no surprise that the technology of the internet, which isn't evil unto itself, right? There are many good things about increased communication and everything, but oh, that sexual industry, that sex industry, they got in as soon as they could, and now it is such a big industry, right? So, I want to take a brief moment and talk to mamas right now, mamas and daddies that have young men in their homes. Your young boys, even girls too. Let's girls do too. not discount this. There are girls with porn addictions. There are, um, but my brothers and sisters is happening at ten, eleven years old. You know that that's about the time we think, oh, it's about, it's about time for that sex talk. When already they've been viewing porn by the time you get around the sex talk. So, you know, really talk about pornography at nine, which is horrible for me to even mm-hmm. think about, you know, remembering my motherhood and talking about these things. Um, that was about the age that we gave the sex talk, but the pornography talk, it needs to happen now. That just wasn't a thing. Yeah. Well, I think even before you even necessarily talk to your child about it, seriously consider getting some protections on your electronics in your home on your televisions, on your computers, like there are things which can be not sought, but just like tripped upon. You can never unsee. That's right. Something that you've seen. And so this young child who doesn't even, hasn't even formed any concept of what, um, holy, beautiful sexuality is, can have imposed upon them a disordered, dark view of what human sexuality is. And it's going to be very difficult to purge that. It's been described to me as a young man's experience at 11, tripping across some type of pornography as if a demon had reached out of that screen and sucked him in. Mm. That's how powerful this is, my friends. Well, I want to like piggyback on to that and say, I listened to a talk not that long ago on, um, you know, on YouTube by an exorcist and he was talking about pornography and he said that they, this is such a disordered world, the porn industry, that there are straight up Satanists who, when they make these films, will basically invite the enemy to kind of, um, 
attach itself to the film, which then can be this sort of portal to anybody who views it. That's right. I mean, this is real deal spiritual warfare, like straight up, no joke. The enemy is so engaged in here. So if if you're not afraid of the devil getting involved in your life, if that's not like enough to keep have you running away from pornography, what can be? So, you know, and there's no wonder um, that the young people, the smart young people, well-formed, um, I like to say this, uh, really brag on people that we know um, and my daughter and her husband have decided and made the conscious decision not to have television. Mm-hmm. Now, they have a computer, they have a laptop, they have their, their own cell phones, but they have made it not to have that screen. And I say even fewer screens. And some of our close friends here at Red Sea Radio also have very limited amount of screens mm-hmm. in their home with their children. And, and that's reasonable. not to be touched. Yeah. You, know, you get bored, you go read a book. You know, yeah. there's not the the family that sits around the, the, the table all on their smartphones. It's just, that's just unbelievably insidiously evil to me. Well, and I think also, you know, as you speak about television, I mean, just recently there's been this kind of discussion about some of the performances on like the Grammys and things like that, where it was straight up soft core porn just being pumped into everybody's home. Or what about that weird halftime show this year? That was so creepy. I mean, I'm like, I don't understand what's going on, but I'm getting really creeped out watching this. Yeah. And I would say the last year's is, was also like soft core porn mm-hmm. too. And so these things have become so prevalent. Um, that you really, if you're going to avoid them, you have to actively avoid them. It's You have to guard yourself against them. And so I think for those who are asking the question, well, what's the big deal? Like if it's just for my own, you know, pleasure, enjoyment, you know, who's it really hurting? Well, it's hurting you. And that's really important to recognize. I mean, you are engaging in, viewing material that causes you to sin in your mind. You know, we spoke in another episode how if you got, Jesus has said, if you even imagine, you know, engaging in, uh, you know, fornication with a woman, then you have done it. So if you're sitting there watching and imagining and engaging yourself in that, you are engaging in a sinful behavior just by the mere act of watching it. But also when you think about the creation of this material and the fact that you, people are being, their sexual identity is being treated as an object simply for the person's, other people's gratification. It it diminishes that person. It takes away their beautiful sacredness of the identity that God has given them to, of, to be respected. Yeah, steals their dignity. Yeah, it's, it's a disgusting thing that you're, participating with to enrich people who would engage in behaviors that are really truly just making a human person like an animal. Right. And so much of the time, this pornography money is going directly to human trafficking and human slavery and sexual slavery too. So you are being complicit with that should you view it. Right. And so, you know, all these things there, it can be, it's very easy to say, yeah, this is wrong. You shouldn't do it. But, you know, for a person who maybe did just trip upon it, they didn't want to do it, but they tripped upon it 
and then it it, it ingrained itself mm. into the person's mind and then they started maybe just kind of thinking about it and they just felt themselves drawn to going back in and and then they get sucked into this thing and and the reality is is that porn now it's not just you know, something somebody does every now and then it's an addiction for many people. And when you talk about an addiction, what is an addiction? It is something that controls you. Mm -hmm. You have lost your free will agency to something that is disordered and only going to bring you pain. Addiction is slavery. It's It's slavery. mm -hmm. Right. And what is, what does St. Paul says? Christ has set us free for freedom. So do not again undergo the yoke of slavery. God does not want us to be slaves to anything. And certainly not our base passions. And the sad thing is, is that, you know, this show is ordered towards relationships, right? It's about building healthy, holy relationships. And you may think that you're engaging in pornography and masturbation in the isolation of your own, you know, home. And it's not really affecting anybody. It's just you. That is so untrue because pornography has been shown time and time again to significantly hinder the formation of healthy romantic relationships. So you, you are setting yourself up for failure in relationship when you engage in pornography alone. That's right. It will steal your joy. It will totally steal your joy in the intimate sacramental marriage and the um, marital embrace. If you go down that road for too long, it can absolutely rob you of those beautiful pleasures that God has designed for you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. For sure. You know, and, I, and I'll be honest. I'm not sitting here as a person who is just like totally been completely separate from this, never experienced it because there was a time in my life when I, you know, I was agnostic. I was totally away from God. And, you know, this is something that people engaged in. And so did I check it out sometimes in my life? I did. And I will be honest that even though in the moment it might've been stimulating, I always felt yucky afterwards, Mm -hmm. you know, well, and, know. and now that it's, that's what years and years ago, like way in my past, sometimes those images still come up mm. when I'm in a situation where I'm enga- wanting to engage in a loving union with my spouse right? and they don't go away. And you're just like, oh, I don't want that here, but it's there, you know? So I'm, I really, it's important for me to to speak this because I don't want anyone to think I'm over here thinking, you know, saying these things, never, never (laughs) having, you know, gone down that path, never having experienced it. And I am able to speak about it, not with shame, because I understand that in that time I didn't know better Mm -hmm. because I didn't have the light of grace. I, I didn't, I wasn't believing in God. I wasn't trusting in his plan for my life. I didn't even think there was, he necessarily was around to have a plan for my life. Right. So, okay. There's aspects that inhibit our culpability. Fine. You know what? It's not what I did then that matters. It's what I do when I know better. 
Right. Which, That's what matters. Which I think is really important. We need to really kind of like hone in on why the teaches the why the church teaches that that is a disordered that that sexual pleasure outside of the marital mm-hmm. union again, even if it's with self, is disordered. Um, so maybe you can speak a little more on that, Megan. Well, we've talked a number of times during this uh, series on chaste living that sexual human sexuality in God's plan is meant to be enacted within a sacramental marriage between a man and a woman for two reasons, the unitive and the procreative. That is, in the catechism, it is spoken time and time again as the teaching of the church. When you engage in sexual behavior by yourself, you don't get either of those. Right. I mean, if you're fornicating, at least you could, you know, you're, you might get some unitive and Probably if it's going to be a mistake, but you could even have procreative in that situation. When you're alone, there is no one to be united to, and there is no procreation that's going to be happening with just you. So the whole purpose of human sexuality is thwarted when you are engaging in that, in, in that behavior by yourself. Right. And sexuality is meant to be a relational thing. God uses the image of marriage for his union with the church, because it's meant to be productive, fertile, life-giving, loving, unifying. If you take what is meant to be a type, you know, something that hints at Mm. our relationship with God, and you take it out devoid completely of relationship, it is so disordered towards what it's meant to be. And it's only going to lead to this hollowness, a sense of, you know, thwarting a natural good, like, and turning you in on yourself. We're meant to be outward facing, loving others, being self-giving, self-donating. When you turn in on yourself like that, that's not self-donating, it's self-defeating. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to call on the mom in you because I know we have probably some moms listening to this would like a little bit of coaching. How do you talk to your ch- I mean, neither one of us were told, "Oh, masturbation is wrong and it's disordered, so don't mm-hmm. do it," right? Um and that's not part of God's plan for you. How do you teach your children and when that that is disordered? And that is outside of God's plan for you. I mean, what would you do? I mean, that's just, yeah. a, you, well, it's not what it. would I do? What have I done? Okay, then. You know, I have talked to my kids about this and, you know, both pornography and masturbation, I've talked to them about. And it's interesting because I have talked to a number of friends who have said, no, they have never talked to their kids about masturbation. Like they have talked about pornography, but the masturbation piece, they like, you know, (laughs) and yeah, it's, it can, it's uncomfortable potentially. And just your face was cracking me up. (laughs) So, but it it needs to be spoken because there's nowhere else they're going to hear it. That's right. You know, even in the church, you're not hearing that. You're not going to hear a homily about how masturbation's wrong. I have. Really? Thank you, Father okay. Greg Gerhardt. All right. Kudos well, to him. That is very uncommon. <laughs> yes, it but is. But anyway, but if we're the parent and we're meant to help guide this soul in the light of Christ to be this person that helps them navigate some really difficult waters 
I feel we're remiss in our duty as parents to not talk about this reality of, you know, God's command in our lives. And so I think the most important way to approach it is with a real true sense of love. Try to be as calm and peaceful as possible and acknowledge, I understand that this may be uncomfortable for you to talk about. Like acknowledge that and do it in a way that a place that they're not going to have to like be looking at you eye to eye, you know, like in the car is a good place or somewhere where you can be like a little less intimate intimate in the, in the sense of your physical engagement, because it is sort of uncomfortable. Um, But so try to be very sensitive to your child as far as that they are going to have some discomfort with this, but you know, and your own demeanor makes so much difference. If you don't seem weirded out and really uncomfortable and awkward, if you, if they feel your peace, they are so much more likely to be able to receive it without, you know, getting all freaked out. Mm. So the way I like to talk about it is I can, I kind of bring it up in the sense of, you know, I'm bringing this up because I know that this is so common in the world today and you may have already been exposed to it. Sure. So kind of if you assume that they've already had some level of exposure. Now, if they they may say, oh, my gosh, no, I've no, never even talked about that or even thought about that or whatever. OK, fine. Take them at their word. But if you go in with the assumption that they already have thought about it, talked about it, or maybe even done it, it takes a bit away from the sense of, oh my gosh, like I'm going to, she's going to make me admit something. You know what I mean? It's much more easy. It's much easier to be like, oh no, really mom, I haven't. It's much easier to go there than to have to be like, yeah, mom, I totally did. Right. So that's one piece of advice. I'd kind of, kind of come in with the assumption that they've e- at least been exposed to it in some way yeah. and say, you know, and then I like to follow it up with not, don't start with my authority as a parent, start with the authority of the church and say, you know, you probably know, but if you don't know, so acknowledge they might already know. So, and so you don't set them up for being like, oh my gosh, I totally know that mom. You don't need to tell me. Right. She's like, you probably. That would be my children. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but, but it acknowledges their maturity yeah. when you say you probably already know, but I want to speak to it specifically. So I want to talk to you about what the church teaches regarding pornography and masturbation. And then you go and state, you know, this is what our church teaches, what Holy Scripture has uh, revealed. And so it's important. And then, so then you've set up the authority of the church and then you come in. So as your mother, you know, speaking of my part, or as your father, if you're, you know, dad listening, I want to speak to that truth out of my love for you. Mm. So let the authority lie with the church and let the love of the church and you 
infuse the rest of the conversation. So good. I want to say that. I just kind of want to reiterate that because, Megan, the way you framed that was really beautiful. Let the church be the authority and let the parents be the love. That That's really a, such a beautiful way to frame it. Thank you for that. Yeah. And I would also say this. Don't be afraid to be honest with your children about areas that you may have fallen short. You know what? Let them know you're not perfect and that you never thought you were. Be honest. You say, you know what? I have fallen short in this area before in my life and I, I regret it. It, you know what? It didn't do good things for me. I wish it hadn't happened, but it did. And you know what? God is merciful and God is loving and he has forgiven me for those things. But I, because I have experienced going down the wrong path, I can speak to you with more understanding about the goodness of the right one. Yes, indeed. I think so often we're afraid that if we share with our children our own failings are the ways that we have fallen into sin that is going to give them permission to do the same. Yes, that's exactly the thing. I don't think that's true at all. I think that when we're honest about where we have experienced the negative effects of sin and we show them that we're willing to be vulnerable mm. to them and show them I'm not perfect. I'm not trying to say that I am. I understand you won't be, mm-hmm. but let me tell you what I have learned from the times that I have gone against what God has said is his will and how it's negatively impacted me. And my love for you compels me to share with that with you so to help you maybe avoid making that mistake mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Excellent. But I do think there is a lot of fear. And this is what I would say to the listeners if if you think about maybe talking to a child or maybe a sibling um, who's struggling with this or, or anybody, a friend, anybody in your life, if you're really struggling with the fear of talking about it, or maybe you're struggling with the fact that you yourself are, have the, an issue with engaging with pornography or masturbation, or you did in the past, work through it. Yeah. Don't be alone with it. Don't try to fight it by yourself. First and foremost, go to confession. Go to confession and with a true contrite heart, Lay it before the Lord. He wants to take this burden from you. He wants to give you freedom from it. So trust that and go and confess and then find some accompaniment. No kidding. I just want to. I just want to encourage our listeners too that if if it's a long-standing addiction, um, Matt Frad says get some professional help. I mean, there's all kinds of online help now for um, like places such as freedom coaching and things like that for the pornography, but start your journey today and accompany, you know, if it is a, it's a longstanding addiction, uh, the chances are you're not going to be able to pray it away or sacrament it away. Mm-hmm. You're going to need professional help. Yeah. It, pornography does rewire the brain in a very horrible way. And uh, we need to undo that. And I believe with God's grace, uh, there's lots of healing that can happen, uh, but you have to be on that journey and asking for it daily. And I would encourage uh, people who do have an addiction to have a two-pronged attack on getting help. I think you need both clinical counseling and spiritual direction. Because as we talked about before, um, the enemy can really get in in this area. And you're going to need to 
have that help to find where that spiritual battle is and to not go that alone in your spiritual life, because there can be some real negative attachments of the enemy in, in these areas. And it's very possible that you may have fallen into this addiction because there is some woundedness in your life that precedes ever getting engaged with pornography. And you're going to have to go through that and deal with that. So the clinical counseling will help you with a lot of the practical tools for, you know, working through these things and trying to create new patterns of behavior and, and, you know, have healthier ways of thinking and things like that. And then the spiritual direction will help you bring God into it and bring him in to the process of healing that ultimately only he can really do the, the main deep healing that's going to have to happen in order to be freed from this. And so if you're listening to this, um, I really would do a big plea, um, I know several spiritual directors, but not one of them is a man other than a priest that I know of. So I really encourage maybe our deacons and some of our really um, faithful listeners that are men, please, brothers, please go get uh, some um, help with being able to become a spiritual guide. We need more men as spiritual guides desperately. Um, this being a primary reason I cannot see a young man wanting to go to a woman. Yeah. And (laughs) and probably should not. I mean, obviously you don't want to talk about that. So I really encourage gentlemen, if that's something the Lord puts on your heart to become a spiritual guide for these young men who do need that guidance and that accompaniment. Yeah. Well, I think we're going to wrap this uh, episode up. Um, what I will say as I look back on this four-part series on chaste living, I feel like there's a lot more that could be said. Sure, <laughs> you know, we so really much. only scratched the surface on each of the topics. And, you know, at some point down the road, we, we may revisit each of them as uh, circumstances, you know, bring warrant, warrant mm-hmm. and or God puts on our heart. Right. And- But we hope that uh, what we have discussed so far has been a blessing to you. And if it has been, please share it. Um, You know, this is something that is just, these issues are so big in our society. This is spiritual warfare, folks. Spiritual warfare. And so many people just struggle with the words and struggle to understand why the church teaches what it teaches. Or even if they understand why, just struggle with the feeling of confidence to go forth and and to share those teachings in truth and love. So, you know, if you think that, you know, anybody could benefit from hearing these, please do share it. Um, It would really uh, bless us to know that we're just being more of a voice for God in any way that we can. So I think a really great way to wrap this up is you quoted uh, St. Jacinta on what the Blessed Mother said at Fatima. Right. Um, So I think that's a great way to conclude this four part series. She said that the final battle will be over marriage and the family. Was it Jacinta or Lucia? Oh, it was Lucia. I think it was Lucia. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, we see that in these times. I mean, no one can deny that over the past 50 years or so, we have seen such destruction as it relates to marriage, the family, human sexuality, to the point where now we have, you know, the issue with transgenderism and everything, it is so robbing of the beautiful dignity of the human person and human sexuality. And so, you know, the enemy is alive and well, and he is working hard and we need to fight back. So fight back with truth, the truth of the time honored teachings 
of Christ as transmitted through sacred scripture and sacred tradition. Where true freedom is found, my friends. Amen. Found true freedom found. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us today and for um, every time that you tune in to the Shoulder to Shoulder podcast. We are so blessed uh, for those Absolutely. who listen, mm-hmm. and we are thankful to God for giving us this opportunity to uh, grow closer to each other and to help others walk more closely in relationship shoulder to shoulder. So until next time, God bless. God bless. <laughs>